Yes, sir. yes, sir. The man wanted to ride. What did he do? Swing down, sweet child. If you're feeling my vibe, then we can all just ride. If you want to get down, then we can all just ride. All my people, throw your hands up high and just ride. Where you're from, east side to west side, just ride. All my people from uptown to downtown. From Cali to NY, you know we all. From the floor to key to DP, just ride. Hey, Ryan, how you doing? Pretty good, Jason. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Um, so, yeah, you were telling me uh, offline that at some point you might go to Portugal. Yeah. What's the last yeah. time you went? Would have been 2012 with my okay. girlfriend at the time, now wife. So if I were to go, yeah, because as we know, as we're recording this, it's it's COVID, it's travel restrictions, it's quarantine, yeah. it's, it's all that stuff going on. So, um my father's actually going ahead of time, and if he thinks things are safe enough for me to come with wife and kids, then we'll be going. So first time in eight years, and yeah, um, yeah I still have some um, living elderly relatives that I would love for my kids to meet. And um, yeah, I used to go pretty frequently. Okay. Portugal, put it this way, it's a big part of my childhood and adulthood. Okay. It's always been, yeah. So Direct, yeah. direct flight? Can you go to Toronto, Lisbon? I think we'll go Montreal, okay. maybe the Portuguese islands, and then okay. Lisbon. And okay. um, yeah, that's kind of it's not the worst flight in the world. It's um, okay. like six and three quarters there, but then yeah. eight coming back. But I do okay. got two little yeah. ones. I got a three year old who's just going to okay. be ridiculous My, uh, on that flight. Have they been on such a long flight before or no? No, they've done like okay. Cuba and Florida and uh, you know, okay. Dominican. So is that um, like six hours down there? Florida and Cuba? Um, no, Toronto to Cuba, Toronto to Punta, basically Toronto to the Caribbean, you're looking at four to five hours tops. Okay. Right. Four okay. and a half hours is, and Florida's okay. probably around four hours. Yeah. We, so. um, our first flight with our son, we did the whole year just staying in Singapore, just doing the thing there. And we, uh, we took the flight from Singapore, it was going to be to Toronto to come see mm -hmm. my folks. Uh, but then yeah. it was like, there's no direct flight from Singapore to Toronto. Um, mm. So we're like, okay, well, I've got family in California. Let's break it up. Let's see, see my family in California too. We're trying to, because yeah. I had my grandfather at the time and other relatives right on here. So Singapore to San Francisco, that's about, I could be wrong. I think that's 14 hours. Um, Jesus. 15 hours, I think. And then part of why the breakup is because if we just hop on a direct flight, because there's no direct, so you fly from, like SFO to Toronto, that's another six, eight hours, depending on the how long the wind or whatever the what do we call that? The um, I forget what that's called, where it affects how long the flight is. Headwind um, or tailwind the, or whatever. Uh, jet stream, jet stream. Oh, okay, cool. Um, yeah. I think that affects. So you're. It's definitely a, a legit period of time going SF mm -hmm. to Toronto. So you do that after like a 14, 15 hours. You're like, okay, it's good that we stay in California for a few days before we do that. Yeah, for so sure. He was 12 months at the time. And I think, like, um, I th we we're just visiting family. So it feels like, well, it's it's kind of one of those trips you got to do. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't like, oh, like, we're just choosing vacation. And he was, uh, it was quite, uh, quite good. He didn't really feel that oh, good. Thing, the pressure, you know, like, we forgot mm -hmm. his pacifier. We, he, doesn't, he doesn't normally use a pacifier. So then we thought, why don't oh, we lucky. just... Uh, well, we, we forgot it. We forgot to bring it. So yeah. it was somewhere. So, but he was okay on the plane. And then, uh, and then a, a, within the year later, we went to go see my other family in South Africa. So we did, uh, does, at least there was a direct flight from Singapore to Johannesburg. 
uh, or Cape Town, actually, you have to get on another They fly from Singapore to Joburg to Cape Town. You stay on the plane at Joburg, and then you fly another hour. So that's yeah. about 10 hours um, from Singapore to South Africa, mm-hmm. um, which is still better than from Canada, because Canada, you have to fly indirect. Right. But, um, cool, man. I think uh, Portugal, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing stories, because uh, I actually had a chance to go to a wedding with, uh, of, with, with my wife to um, one of my – I had this – business knew someone through business school and they were mm-hmm. they're from switzerland and they were getting married in lisbon but we didn't get a chance to go so that was that's oh, very okay. unfortunate because the pictures looked really great um yeah it's, it's cool. you know it's 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 come a long way it's suddenly become this tourism hotbed now everyone's um and, and we're, we're gonna feel it now like i know the same cafes that i've been going to for like 30 years are now going to be like 18 dollars okay. for a for a for a coffee and a biscuit <laughs> right whereas before okay. it was nothing so i so anyways okay um mm-hmm. cool all right man well um this uh what we're gonna talk about we're actually starting it's the dynasty series so uh there are obviously a few teams which will well over the next however many episodes we'll just we're gonna dedicate an episode to a dynasty um they'll just you'll just see it pop up and and we'll break it down. We'll just relive their kind of their highs, their lows, or just what made them a dynasty, what made them special. And just that would be kind of fun. And so we're going to start with the Spurs, which it's an interesting team because there are probably some people who would, I actually do not, I don't know if anyone would disagree that they're a dynasty, but I think it was one of those points where when someone finally someone raised the idea that they're a dynasty, then it was at least, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. Because they never had back-to-back titles. They never had this, um, that, that allure that they're this dominant, unbeatable force. Um, so what I'll do is I'll just quickly go through a bit of a chronology. Uh, and then you just jump in and add on if uh, there's anything you think that there's a salient detail I just skipped over um, or anything that you had a memory of. So. Mm-hmm. Um, like, so I'm, I know that the Spurs go back to the ABA, but I'm just going to pick it up from when Peter Holt, who's the current owner, uh, actually, I think it's his wife now because of the divorce, but, um, he bought the Spurs in his ex-wife. I mean, the San Antonio Spurs in 1993, uh, David Robinson had just been on the team then since the early nineties. And I think at that period of time, people were just considering him the best Spur ever. And the team was kind of this favorable team, but it wasn't really winning with championships or anything. And then Tim Duncan comes aboard in 97. So that kickstarts the Twin Towers. They called it the Twin Towers period. They win championships over the next few years in 99 against the Knicks, 2003 against the Nets, 2005 against the Pistons, 2007 against the Heat, and 2014, sorry, 2007 against the Cavs, and then 2014 against the Heat. Um, so there was uh, a lot of changes over the years. Um, we mentioned how Tim Duncan came in in 97. Manu Ginobili came in in, in 99, I believe. And sorry, and Tony Parker, uh, why am I losing track of this? I think he came in around, I think it was- Like 02, 2002, right? yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's right. Thanks. So, um, and then that kind of was, they were sort of seen as a big, the era of the big three. And it's interesting though because um, it, they their play evolved like mm-hmm. over the years. Um, uh, sorry, I think I'm skipping a, a bit ahead. Um, 
some other stuff we'll talk about. But that's kind of the rough chronology of like what their periods of 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 being on top were. Is there any any kind of broad highlights you think that you just think are worth uh, mentioning to everybody? So the the numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. The San Antonio Spurs are just um, because they never really won consecutive titles, right? Um, that right. that that so people sometimes have to do voodoo math, but you sure. really don't have to in this case because it's uh, it's kind of the word dynasty has loosened up, thankfully, in the last few years, right? I mean, the Buffalo okay. Bills, Buffalo Bills are kind of thought of as a dynasty. Oh no, really? Absolutely right, because they okay. they because. Making it to four straight Super Bowls is okay, and winning all those regular season games is okay. just—it's um, a feat in itself. Yeah, now, I'm not sure, saying I'm not saying that people are calling them dynasty. I'm just saying that they're dynasty-ish because. Um, well, that actually, you're touching on something I want to bring up at another okay. point, which is like an, after we get through the dynasty series, I want to bring up something like the dynasty light or the all those dynasties. Um, all right, well, the, yeah, that's. The, 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 that's you're, yeah. you're touching on that but i know what you're getting at so they, i just know you caught my yeah you, you just I, caught my attention because mm-hmm. i guess I, I i don't follow nfl as closely as you but it pops up on my espn feeds and different podcasts i listen to where i just haven't heard anyone talk about the buffalo bills the best um, point the best the best point i can make about this is i remember the new england patriots were going to their third super bowl in four years and people were debating whether or not this is a dynasty Okay. Right. And this so, is after they won. This is after the Patriots. So they won it. They, they won. They won in 01. I believe they didn't okay. even make the playoffs the following year. And okay. they won the next two. And then going well, in the okay. and then going in the third one. Well, you just have to like it's not for me, right? For me, it's yeah. yeah I mean, for, for me, it's a word, right? Let's just get that let's just get that out of the way. For me, it's just a word. I don't care what you call it, semantics to me at the end of the day. To me, but, Three Super Bowls in four years is, you know, doggone impressive, right? But they were and, winning, though. I mean, they weren't losing every year, right? They were winning a lot. Well, they lost one year. And because yeah, they, they lost, lost the one, one year and didn't win the Super Bowl, some people wanted to not consider okay. them a dynasty. Yeah. The, yeah. the only point, the only reason why I'm bringing this up is because yeah. people wanted to make rules. And these are the right. rules for a dynasty. And now everything's open to interpretation because now you have people like Nick Wright who is hilarious he considers like lebron's ring in like 2016 the equivalent of two and he considers one of his finals loss a championship <laughs> ring as well so that that's, yeah. that's the whole point i'm trying to make is the, the evolution of the dynasty argument has it became yeah. so matter of fact and no these are the hard constraints to now eh, kind of open to interpretation buffalo bills lebron james has 10 rings unofficially sure it's all good <laughs> The San, Antonio, um, the San Antonio Spurs for me are kind of like, I don't know. I just think of, um, I was always kind of a Robert Downey Jr. fan, like before, uh, I forget what was the sequel to U.S. Marshals, but he was, oh no, that was the, sorry. That was the, that the sequel. Was the sequel. That was it. You right? think that was the, Robert Downey Jr. I think you mean Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones? No, sir. Robert Downey Jr. About, Robert Downey Jr. was in U.S. Marshals. Oh, he, played, he, he was. Played, okay. Yeah. So he was, okay. um, he was in, um. He wasn't in The Fugitive, but Tommy Lee Jones was in both. Yep. So it was Robert Downey and Wesley Snipes. And I'm like, this guy's awesome, right? And 
And then you just forget about Robert Downey Jr. And it's like, oh, you've had this great actor all these years, right? And yeah. uh, that's kind of like the San Antonio Spurs. Like, they've always been there. They've always been yeah. good. And so mm-hmm. the I think what hurt them a bit is it's okay. I mean, yes, they weren't winning every year. But if you look at that stretch, 03, 05, 07, all you're missing is those two middle years, right? I mean, mm-hmm. to, it also is a testament to, like you said, can, can they keep winning. Like after Tim Duncan joins a team, they never miss the playoffs. They yeah. they won they won fifty wins every year until 2016, which is incredible. One of those years with the 99 shortened season, where the uh, sorry, uh, fifty games. No, no, I'm I think I'm forgetting. Well, they, won. They, they won in 99. They won in 99. I was just trying to think of like the regular season where I think, I think it was like a short, I forget how many games they played it was in that short. season. It was shorter. It was shorter. But yeah. uh, I think they, they still got 50 wins, which meant that they basically had like a 74, like a, they were a 70, 700 team, like a seven, yeah. one of the highest win percentages. So yeah, like you, it, it also speaks to a bit of their resilience and that's their strength. The fact that you can lose in a year, but you still come back and you still compete. And then yep. following, like the following year, you're like, okay, and we're gonna win now. Um, that that happens. Like, so you win in '03, you beat the Nets. Then in 2004, and and okay, I don't know what happened. I can't remember exactly what happened. They don't make it. Then in 2005, they make it back. 2006, they lose. 2007, they make it back. I mean, that's like it's a bit of an emotional toll, and it's a real show of strength. And then I think the the capstone there is when they lose in the 2013 finals with such a heartbreaking loss. And then you can come back the following year, even stronger and better. And then you just dominate. I mean, that's real character and real strength. Um, And I think that uh, what's sort of kind of hurts their legacy because people don't talk about their wins. They're they're a boring team and the way they played and they didn't win back to back. But what also hurts is if you look at who their matchups were, it was the Knicks, okay, the, the the shortened season that it's like, it's kind of a, people regard it as a throwaway season and I'm not entirely sure why, because it's when the New York Knicks can be in a finals, you'd think that the New York media and everybody would just get excited about it. And there was the Larry Johnson four point play in the against the Pacers in the previous series, but whatever reason, it's not as respected. And I think maybe it's because Shaq called it the, the, the championship with an asterisk. But then the other teams that they played, the Nets, the Pistons, they're not, exciting right so when when the spurs play against them and it's a slow plotting defensive game it's like and yes maybe that's just the way that was played in the era but um had they played uh and i wanted to look it up um like who could have been an exciting contender against the uh, in the east um maybe um hmm. like um i don't know like think about if somehow the Raptors got their shit together and then got into the finals. So they're playing Vince Carter in, in the finals. Like it would have been an exciting game. You know, you'd, you'd be talking about, oh, wow, look how fun that series was. But yeah. the Spurs are just a better team, right? And the Pistons, same thing. It's just grinding, just this grinded out team. But let's say in 2005, if the Miami Heat with Dwayne Wade had... Yeah made that finals so like oh my good oh, it's funny we talk about the heat because they did play them later but you would have been like whoa what an what an awesome game mm-hmm. so the Cavs with lebron what's i think it's just because it was such a dominant performance because the spurs were so good um but i mean the Cavs team wasn't it just didn't bear out in the results because they got swept they got swept pretty easily 
And because of that, it's sort of, people don't think about that series as a memorable series. And so that sort of worked against people who are looking at the Spurs as this dynasty, just because, you know, it was, an unfa- it was kind of unfair. They happened to draw against teams that just were not themselves exciting. So that couldn't, that you can't have both teams being that way, right? Whereas when they played the Heat in 2013 and 2014, they're playing against the Heatles. Like that's, yeah, that's going to draw in all this other attention into the, into the series and the games, right? So I think that that affected things too. I don't know. I don't know what you I, I think so. I don't know about you. I'll just ask you straight up. Do you do you care for people who say stuff like that, like um, boring? Like, did you even value people's opinions when they when they start off by saying that? No, I do. I do because oh, you do. This, okay, because I this yeah. Because I'll say that too. I'll say that the Houston Rockets are boring. James James Harden's boring. Like the thing is, That's, is that the it's not this is not just about sport for sport's sake this is an entertainment product from the court now the the, the players are going to do what they need to do or the coaches are going to do what they need to do to win it's up to the nba to structure the rules in a certain way to encourage play that is enticing that's that is interesting to watch ever since i saw training footage of guys training and you get that a okay. lot in combat sports, on insta right? yeah yeah of course no no, no this, they, this is this is pre insta this is this okay. is like this is like HBO Hard Knocks okay. and, um, okay. you know, kind of the earlier yeah. sports docs at the time. Once I saw guys who I may have thought less of athletically when I was younger than I saw them training, I'm like, I don't know. For me, I'm just like, I'm never going to talk shit about these players ever again. And it just so happens that it's correlated to um, this notion of, of, uh, of, you know, boring styles and this and that. Because the guy that gets the most of it here in Canada, or at least he did, was was George St. Pierre because he had such a meteoric rise and he was so entertaining. But then when he became champion, he fought a different style. And, you know, people often call him boring and all that stuff. I call him boring. I, I always I call, I call him boring. Yeah, well, I, yeah. I never could because, A, I like I know the sport. I've, I know people yeah, yeah, who are in it. Yeah, but they can do two from, things at the same time. You can appreciate the talent that they have. And you can also say, "Hey, look! Like as an entertainment product, this is just not fun to watch." And I, okay, they, but it's, it's but it's it's never been boring to me. Like I, I'm actually not like how, how do I explain it? You know, when there's people that are super pretentious and you know they're lying, like they'll go to wine <laughs> tasting and be like, "Oh, this is oh, I can I can taste the oak. I can or they you you give them an IPA and they're like loving it, but you, you know you want you want to say they're full of shit, right? I I don't know. I'm not wired that way. I truly am not. I. I watch a lot of quote unquote boring people and yeah. boring teams and stuff. And I'm just, I'm, I can watch that with just as much. Like I'm, I'm watching, I can watch a boring fight, a boring basketball game again, quote unquote, um, the same way I would watch a, an exciting one. And I know that's going to come off as it's going to come off whatever way it was, but that's interesting. I just wanted to get your take on that because um, I just, I just want to get your take so on that. So you actually were thought made me think of, I just saw a clip today on, on the feed, uh, Dana White. It was a previous clip of the ultimate fighter. And okay. You definitely follow. So I don't know the arc, so I don't follow it close <sighs> enough, but the, the, he walks into the house, gathers the guys together. And he just says to them, okay, look, I know your trainers are training you. They, they're just training you how to win a fight. But it's like he was basically calling them out in the previous fights and their exhibition matches that they were having where it was just very passive. They were just leaving it to the judges. And he he was trying to make a very kind of 
dispassionate case to them. Yeah. But he just eventually said to him, hey, guys, like, you think that you just in that one round, I think you might have thrown like less than three punches. And mm -hmm. you think that, okay, your job is just to get, you know, win. A, I think the judges sometimes do a disservice to guys. So you don't want to do that because then you can yeah. end up in trouble. But B, I can assure you that if you want to get up onto the card, like this is not the way you do it. And I get it. Like, like th this is not just it's it's yes it's a sport but this is for people who want to watch the sport and yes you maintain an integrity in the game but if it's boring then you got to recognize that which is sort of where the league started evolving and actually the spurs i think that they one of parts of their legacy is i think that they were a catalyst for what we ended up seeing so in 2014 sure they were passing just, that ball whipping that ball yeah, around like no were. one else mm -hmm. they were playing so we, they, they get branded as being boring because for so many of the years, it was in the 2000s and that they were just starting with Tim Duncan, let him post it up. And then he'll just sort of, he'll just post up, turn around, shoot it. And if he doesn't get the shot, he'll just pass it to somebody. It was just very slow, very methodical. But then as he aged around the 2010 season, I think 2011 is when Tony Parker started to emerges the first option where start let him start on the outside with the ball Ooh, I, I, I i i thought he was the first option in 2003 once once the spurs beat uh the lakers it was it was tony parker's team i mean he'll never get well, he'll, you're, you're right you're you're right he, he, he probably statistically wasn't the first option but that's that i mean you so might they, be, they, they had he did they win had, he did win the nba finals mvp in 2007 so like yeah like I'm I'm I, I'm getting a bit wrong on what year that whatever that transition might have been, but at least so they the strategy was going. So you tell me though, did you feel that that was how they were playing it from 03, that they were playing outside in and that that it was moving that way? Because I always thought that he hadn't yet grew. He was all these players are getting into their roles like as time went on, but it was only as Tim Duncan started aging a bit when they moved right. in that direction. I'm just trying to think of my chron uh, chronology of of watching Spurs because you know they were never my favorite team. Um, you know Tim Duncan was never my favorite player, but it's, it doesn't have to be. I'm going to watch the guy. I'm going to watch this team. I, I've, I haven't missed an NBA final since I don't know when. Yeah. Um, I even liked Avery Johnson. You know those Sean Elliott, yeah. Avery Johnson years, and then um, you know Bruce Bowen was such a funny, you know, like like. Yeah. Bobby the Brain Heenan, sneaky defensive heel. He was so, you know, he was hilariously good. Um, but he, I know what you mean that the Spurs never quite had that foil until the Miami Heat came along, right? Um, okay. They always had, yeah. they, 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 their, their dance partners weren't always the sexiest. And I can't even think of a good Eastern Conference opponent. Maybe if one of those, uh, maybe if Allen Iverson and the 76ers yeah. could have gotten their act together in 03, yeah. and if that lined up. But uh, that never quite panned out. And then, yeah. um, you know, LeBron was – the LeBron-Cavs sweep was interesting because as, you know, if we're giving out fake rings, again, the uh, the two most impressive LeBron James series for me was uh, the 2018 Raptors when, they, when the Cavs swept them. And yeah. it would have been that 2007 um, – conference championship against the Detroit Pistons were, I mean, LeBron just went off okay. and, and, it, and it gave me yeah. pause. I'm like, okay, but it's so disheartening when one team works so hard to be another one only to get swept. And you, just, you know, yeah. it's NBA math never works out. Right. And this was just a case yeah. of it. So um, I'll just, 
2018 in 2018 Eastern the Eastern Conference there is put put aside the Raptors because that was in the second round when they beat Boston in Game Seven in Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals to get to the finals. That's mm-hmm. clearly like the most probably it's right up there in top three accomplishments for LeBron his career. Yeah, the yeah. Raptors team was done at, like somewhere in the fourth quarter of Game One. You could see them falling apart, and but that's the I remember the just, just the them, moment yeah. was oh. well, it wasn't the reason it wasn't that impressive because that was just like it was just they were just playing around with the Raptors. It wasn't that challenging. Mm-hmm. Like there was that one play where he just sort of ran up and just grabbed the ball, and it just you could see the confidence of the Raptors just falling yeah. apart, and you could see all the Cavs like just erupting and like even yeah. Cavs, I can't even think who else was on that team at that point. Like who like Tristan Thompson, just guys just getting buckets. Like, so do, yeah. I don't even think of that conference because it's just like, it wasn't even a challenge. Whereas the Boston Celtics were a challenge. Um, so right. forget that Raptor series. It doesn't even matter. It's not so, even a testament to how good those, those Cavs yeah. were. Whereas Boston, who they were the Eastern conference. Uh, no, they were second. They were second behind the Raptors that year. And, they were a really good team. Yes. And they took them to seven games. And then they were even up, I think, in that game. And then then this Cavs won. It was one of the most impressive runs through the playoffs that the Cavs had. Anyway, sorry, this is about the Spurs. This um, is about the Spurs. Sorry, but, uh, well, just the Spurs, I guess, never quite had that foil. So maybe people sleep on their cha- – yeah. they have a lot of things going against them, right? They have their, – their championships are spaced out. They never had a sexy dance partner until um, – until um, 2013, 2014. And, um, you know, Tim Duncan. Style of play. Style of play, yes. But even, again, it's, I'm the wrong guy to talk to about that because. Yeah. Don't I, talk I, about you. Talk about just well, everybody else. Because, like, I, that I matters. If ever, I, well, I, it's hard you for me to talk. Take yourself talk, out of your shoes then. It's hard for me to talk as a lower form of man, but I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. I'll, I'll be Cletus from, I'll be Cletus okay. from uh, Toledo, Ohio, for a second. I suppose. I mean, but here's the part I struggle with too, right? Because like you have one part of NBA culture that like wants excitement, but then you have another part of NBA culture is like four passes then a shot, like Hoosiers, right? There, it's like what yeah. what version do you want? Do you? And that's the problem with sports fans in general. They'll they'll brand these players as boring, but then LeBron's too flashy, and James Harden just does that one move because you got you got no time. But for is that. it the same fans or is it just different fans speaking up? Each I time? don't know, man. Honestly, I, I fans are so fickle. They they wear different hats. That I think people are pretty consistent, and you might just be hearing like different voices, right? Like the fact is, most people don't like watching James Harden. Like I mean. Generally not. I think the only people that generally like him is, is you and people from Texas. Like, uh, um, I, I, remember, I have no idea. I, I have no idea. How, well, doesn't he get? Well, he gets voted right for starting lineups he, and stuff, right? So he has he has some fans. Yeah, he has some fans. I don't know. Like, I just uh, <laughs> I don't. Is he a starter in the All Star game? Uh, well, he was a closer. He was on the court um, for that 2010 yeah. All Star. I mean, like, he's 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 definitely deserving. The coaches are going to put him in the All Star game. Mm. Um, but like, I I think one of the interesting things about the Spurs, which you just to cap it off, is the way that they change their play from slow plotting to ball movement, and they're they will forever be intertwined with the legacy of LeBron James, just because they you know that was it was the culmination of an NBA that had I think that that was the culmination of. Um, 
the post, I don't know what you call that era, the Iverson era, the 2000s era. Like this was the, it was the kind of a period of the NBA when it was losing popularity. There were no real stars that, um, it were, they, were, they did not have the cachet that they had in the 90s and then later in the 10s. And they started to build up the next crop with LeBron, Wade, Carmelo, and then there was the decision in 2010. So when you finally got to the 2013 and 2014 seasons, this is like, okay, we have finally reemerged back to where the NBA is supposed to be. It's taken over 10 years, but here we are, and it, they it are also, leading the it way. Al it also doesn't hurt that these um, – American-born players are starting to play more internationally, going to Olympics. I mean, everything is everything's part of the melting pot, right? It all matters why the NBA is getting yeah. these TV and, deals in. And the Spurs were the team that introduced international players and coaches mm -hmm. into the ranks. Like they were international, they were scouting internationally uh, before everybody. I'm going to cover that a bit about their recruitment in a bit, but um, just to uh, Tony Tony Manu and. Uh, and Tim, just here's just quickly a lot of obviously accolades, but here's the ones that just stood out. Tim Duncan, two-time MVP, 15-time All-Star, 10 times All-NBA first team, you know, maybe the greatest power forward ever. Mm -hmm. Manu made two All-Star teams, and he was two times on the All-NBA third team. Tony Parker okay. was a six-time All-Star, and he made the NBA second team three times. So you can already did, see the pecking uh, order. Did Manu win a bunch of uh, six-man awards? Or only a couple. Uh, he did. Uh, I believe he yeah, was okay. a former six man. So yeah, I didn't. Okay. I didn't catch that. But um, it shows you just kind of yeah the accolades that he had. They're definitely a pecking order, but we don't think of it that way when we think of them. We just think of them as this triumvirate, this three headed monster. Right. Um, and they talk about this big three era. Um, well, where does well, where yeah, does where, where does or oh, are we going to get to Coach Pop in a second? Because I wonder if he was. He, we, yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll just, get to that's some area, but yeah. Just for those what were you please, gonna say? listen to these players. Chris Paul, Paul George, Carmelo Anthony, Clay Thompson, Damian Lillard, John Wall, Jimmy Butler, uh, Giannis. Um, these are all guys that James Harden has more uh, <laughs> social media followers than. Okay. All so right. I don't know. Well, it might be all of Houston. I get, listen, man, you know me. I'm going <laughs> to, I, I cheer for the heels. Go on. Okay. <laughs> um well he's personality he's definitely a personality yeah um so what do you think was the best iteration of the spurs because there's i mean he covered in different eras there's different t different years they win so that's do you a, consider them that's a tough one too right because the best version of the spurs should be the one that was you know won the nba championship in four straight games right it should be that okay. maybe that 07 team but i think so okay i think but, some people would think that sure um, but my favorite is the 2013, 2014. First yeah. of all, I just want to preface that by saying probably my favorite two years in basketball, watching basketball, the fact that these guys got to play each other, um, yeah. consecutive years. I like the fact even that it was Miami that won first. And for all yeah. the reasons that you said for these guys, I mean, you wonder like was that airplane ride back home when they lost in 2013 did they even just be like well all right guys um get them next year like that actually kind of was it there's one of those things like what can you say to someone who just lost this heartbreaking championship because they didn't just lose it mm -hmm. was like a heartbreaking way they lost where they were up and they were about to win they were bringing out the trophy right and then and then somehow the heat come back with uh was it six points or whatever it's just like it was just a mm -hmm. quick turnaround and oh no like they 
they didn't win. And then the, and then and the, games, and the fans and the fans right? left. The Miami fans. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So people thought it was was done. And then um, the um, but, the twenty but the the twenty thirteen Spurs when they lost, right. I thought Parker looked old. And so okay. did Tim Duncan. I really did okay. write them off. I um, okay, Duncan's okay. done, um, and Tony Parker um, looked brilliant okay. like ten years previous to that when he kind of upset the Lakers. And I'm like, hey, that that Tony Parker is dead and gone. Manu, I wouldn't say he looked old, but I'm like, he's he's just out yeah. of place. Um, didn't even know who the hell Kawhi Leonard was in that series, and um, so yeah, I completely wrote them off. Okay. And then when I when they and when they were that same dance partner again the following year and it wasn't you know it wasn't uh, any other team that you could have picked from the West, I thought oh shit well here goes here goes Miami to win another one and 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 they didn't and it was a great series and that's that's the thing as an NBA fan it was okay. it ticked off all the boxes exciting series there was a rivalry pretty much the same cast of characters same script same cast and let's do it all over again let's run it again. And it was yeah. both great series. It just it ages so well. It I, does, yeah, yeah. And, and and honestly, and again, we're we we talk about LeBron differently than a lot of people. It it does. I wouldn't say it helps LeBron legacy that he lost the next year, but it, it certainly doesn't damage it. It was like, man, you lost to a you were a great team. You lost to another great team. You beat them the year before. Yeah, you, you lost to a dynasty. You know, um, re. Um, uh, uh, remake the machine, and that's what he did. Yeah. But it was, it was. I don't think it hurts LeBron's legacy to lose like a team that the. It doesn't hurt the 2014 version of LeBron James to lose to that San Antonio no. Spurs team. Um, I think. Okay, so touch on a few points first. Uh, just to address how it was after 2013, Doris Burke had this story where Pop was talking to her, and she's just thinking, "Well, what can I say to him now?" Because he's just lost this horrible champ, this horrible loss, and Pop says, "So, so what are you up to in the summer?" And Doris Burke says, "I think I'm probably making a trip to Napa. You know, there are the wine, the vineyards mm -hmm, there in California." Mm -hmm. And then Pop, who is like, he's all into the wine culture. He just says, "Oh, you know, um, reach out to my assistant. I'll send you some recommendations." And just like, oh, nice. he just he's just that way where yes. they say that he could just flip a switch. He's like, yeah. for him, basketball is something you do." but there is a world beyond this. And there's been plenty yeah. of articles that talk about his mm -hmm. style of leadership and, you know, just, he, he doesn't, he's running a program of, to develop men and not just basketball players. And so, yeah. um, so it's certainly very commendable and it sort of speaks to how they were able to just sort of bounce back the following year. Mm -hmm. You're right. That, that, that's my favorite time period for the Spurs too. I think that's also the face turn of the Spurs. The Spurs were heels in the two thousands and then they sort of sort of stuck around <laughs> long enough. It's that true. they became faces. They were like Triple H when he sort of came out to Motorhead. Like he was a heel, a heel, and then he had to sort of take a step back. And then when he came out to Madison Square Garden, like sort of jacked up, that's yep. when he became a face. And then, and then, then he became a heel again. I think, you know what, Triple H's turn was probably when he faced John Cena. I think that's when people realized, you know what, we don't like this guy. We keep saying we don't like this guy because yep. of his political maneuvering. But mm -hmm. he's a guy that's been around and we respect him. And that was when the, the the tide turned for Triple H uh, and fans just appreciated how yeah. he was a WWE lifer. I, it's also, I it's was, also the, it's also the dark night, right? I mean, doesn't, 
Harvey Two-Face have a famous line, live long enough to see yourself become the villain, something. Well, I guess this is well, in that's reverse. a different quote because it's saying that you'll just die or whatever, right? So well, I suppose it's, it's right, going to end badly. It's, the, the, this was ending good. So the the point is, it's it's um it's it's a it's a twist in roles, right? And Spurs were, um, yeah, the core. Well, Tim Tim Duncan and Pop, and then came along Tony Parker. They they were there long enough that they were, mm, um, they were they were not people's choice in terms of popularity to win the Tell. But once these bodacious Miami Heat come along, <laughs> it's like, oh no, bro! Like, please, please! Like, the enemy of my enemy is now my friend type of thing. That's what the San Antonio Spurs so, were. Just mixing in a little. Um, now, maybe, well, well, we're gonna discuss the Heat in uh, another Dynasty series. Forget that. Mm-hmm. I'll just put that aside. But. I think so, and um, yeah, like whether it hurts LeBron. Well, but let's park that for the the Heat uh, sure. dynasty when we cover later. So, um, which I know there's going to be people who are like, hmm, the Heat are dynasty. Hmm, okay, well then, then that's the that's the teaser. So let's we can talk about that then. Sure, that just shows you what is and is not a dynasty. So, I I agree with you. I think that's the best iteration of the Spurs. I think that's like the peak of Tony and Manu. You know, like, of, and that's like that's kind of because because at that point, Tim is just. Even before then, people after 07, when they lost, like there was like one year when they even made like, I think they were like eighth place. They're just like, oh, the Spurs done for like five years in a row. They're like, oh, the Spurs done. Mm -hmm. And they just kind of just rose up. And that was, and that was when Kawhi was coming in. So you had, you, you, at that time, you were envisioning, man, this is the best team right now and they people don't get credit for it but if you're a spurs fan you're like this is the best team there is in the league like doesn't matter who they play everyone's afraid of them and we've got this young guy who is going to be the future of the spurs who's cut Mm -hmm. on the same mold of him and and david robinson now we'll come to him a bit later on but that was just that was what was going on at the time and the league was just at this running on fumes at how how popular it was at that point, post decision, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, so Tim Duncan, his role, it's interesting. I talked about the Twin Towers era. I talked about the Big Three era, but now with the benefit of hindsight, because the guys have left the team and Pop is the only one left, which we'll we'll get through Pop in a bit. Is I feel like, in my opinion, the role that he's played with this maybe his image is like it's even it's ascended because he retired and there was still some of those the other players were still there after him and the allure of the the spurs was just never quite the same after he left and there's been all these other issues that came up and it's caused a lot of people to sort of think or realize actually you know i guess the success wasn't just this this grandiose spurs culture which it is important it's also the fact that they happened to get the right superstar the right you know, top level player for that market who was able to, you know, suppress his ego, not get caught up, like play with the team, like work with these guys. Like they had like Tim, it was like, he is carrying David Robinson. He's carrying these other guys, Manu and Tony. And yes, everyone's contributing, but, but still like that, that he made that team. And you were, we're, we're when we want to say it's the big, the, the t- twin towers era or the big three era, it's, it's like not, I wouldn't say diminishing Tim, but it's elevating the other guys up to his level. But what we now realize this was the Tim Duncan era, the 20 years that he was there. That's how I'm seeing it. You know, now that we actually see how the Spurs just didn't perform necessarily at the same level that he was gone. I don't know. What do you kind of, what do you think on that? I completely agree. 
it's okay. it's one of those situations where you don't you don't know what you have till it's gone. So um, yeah, he's. So I, I just think greater appreciation for him, I think, since he left and seeing what the Spurs became. Absolutely. And I think, I'm just trying to think of another player like him that... Okay. Um, um, yeah, but I really I really can't. Um, because he was he was quiet, but he... Um, yeah, I'm at a loss, Jason. He, he, he yeah, was... I don't think he was really one. No. And like you said, that because um, there's been no team like the Spurs either. Like this, been no team like the Spurs. Yeah. Well, um, let me let me throw it to you this way, and this 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 um, can be said about certainly if we ever get in depth into, and we will one day to the um, Michael Jordan, uh, LeBron James debate. It's some guys are part of the system, some guys are the system, and I don't know if I don't know where exactly um, Tim Duncan is, but. He's um, he's he probably has had one of the quieter Hall of Fame careers, and but yeah, you know once. So I, I know I know the Spurs pop up in my Facebook feed, for example, like a lot of their highlights and stuff. And I think okay. I think once once and and the NBA has got to do a better job of this too, right? And the the problem with Tim Duncan is, have we seen him on TV like ever since he retired? Probably not, right? Well, he's, he's been an assistant coach. Yeah, like he. Oh shit! So where I've been. Oh. Okay, um, I'm just wondering what the NBA is going to do to celebrate the San Antonio Spurs. Is are they being are they being pumped up enough? Or were they the well, model of French? Yeah, see, that's the thing, because right? And that's there's no, they're not even. I was actually going to talk about San Antonio later on, but let's talk about it a little bit now. Like, what do you know about San Antonio as a city? I don't know. Wasn't the Alamo fought there or something like that? Or probably not. Like, <laughs> heck, yeah, you're right. You're right. So. Yeah, I, I didn't you're right. It's, study that they got a lot going against it. They play in that garbage half stadium for all those years. That just <laughs> they just put a they just put a they just put a bed sheet over half the stadium, and they had to play there. You're well, right. They okay. got, got a the lot recent, going against just, it. Um, so the well, even the recent history. I mean, Tony yeah, Parker was Center. considered. Yeah, Tony Parker was considered scandalous because he dated Mary <laughs> Eva Longoria, and then I believe yeah, had an yeah. affair with Brent he was the, wife. Yeah. Oh my God, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Did you know that when that story came out, that the NBA 2K video game developers, as a rib, put Brent Barry's defensive awareness at zero. <laughs> no, I didn't know. Yeah, oh, which man. is hilarious. Uh, no, it's sad actually. It's terrible. But yes, yeah, no, okay. Uh, back, back to um, so yeah, San Antonio. Because I mean, what I was getting at was that it's it's really all you know about San Antonio. It's a, it's the Spurs. Like you know, in, in Texas, you've got Dallas, Houston as the big cities. You know, and then you have Austin, which is emerging as a tech hub which has its own, you know, they have their own teams with University of Texas, the Longhorns, or, um, well, that's really what they care about there. But mm -hmm. San Antonio, not much. It's just really no. interesting how there's one team that's thriving there. But then with, when you say, well, what's the NBA going to do to celebrate them? I mean, there's really no major incentive. Like, I guess you just, you do to to pay respect to the history of the game, but it's not like, the Warriors or the Heatles, like you don't, there were no, I mean, I don't know what, how many jerseys you think they sold, how many jerseys are walking, are in, uh, are in the streets of Shanghai now that were Tim Duncan or Manu jerseys. I'm not sure. There might be some, mm -hmm. I mean, there's, they're really big fans, but they weren't, they weren't 
the most marketable team. Um, no. David Stern famously joked to sort of like somebody was, what's your ideal finals or whatever, or conference finals? And he said, the Lakers versus the Lakers. And I think a lot of Spurs fans got all pissy about that. Just the <laughs> fact that the commissioner would slight them. Um, is, but, isn't, it hilarious uh, when you, isn't it hilarious when David Stern says that, yet people think that the fix was always in with David Stern, and yet he's... Why? Why would he make it? Why would he make a Detroit Pistons San Antonio Spurs final? If, <laughs> if, if he really had all that stroke. Yeah. Anyways. Well, on. the um, the uh, I think that when you see the strength of that San Antonio market, it's like uh, as a team, as a team, like it does punch a hole through the idea that whenever I hear the argument, well, Toronto can't get these players. Uh, Toronto small market. Like, yeah, like you just draft develop trade like this is what the spurs have done and which i'll i'll get to that in a second is is like it just it's a it's a real beacon to just what the small market can do how just how well run has historically been um like under pop's leadership um so uh quick point about the about manu and tony because i'll get back to the to the management in a second is in terms of like the legacy of them, what do you think about Tony and Manu like in the future, like their legacies? We talked about Tim's, but what about those two guys? So Manu for me will be, um, he's, he's, he's the poster child for guys who, listen, you're not a starter, but you're going to get starters minutes and this is how you win championships. So, um, I guess if you're a coach or an assistant coach out there and you've got a player who's insistent on being a starter and won't play if he's a starter, you could kind of point to Manu and say, like, this is the guy. This is the guy. This guy, Tony Kukoc, because Tony Kukoc, I believe, was a starter and then Michael came back and he was relegated. So there are a few examples out there, international players, and I think that just speaks to what you and I have discussed earlier is that – International balls is completely different. Um, but Manu, um, yeah, I don't know how good people will. I, I don't know how many top 50s he'll pop up yeah. on or whatever. Okay. Um, you know, and Tony? Uh, Tony Parker is really interesting because he's he was so good. And the way he beat the Lakers mm. and won okay. that championship in 03, it was. Um, okay. For the Nets. I don't, oh yeah, the Lakers in the conference finals. Yeah, Lakers in the conference final. Then the Nets. Um, now I know Kobe was dealing with um, his oh, yeah, extra, the trial. trial in that, but nonetheless, I mean that was supposed to be. I mean the Lakers were going for number four. Right? Yeah, I mean they're in the conference finals. They're no, mm-hmm. they're no slump. They're no, no. slumps, right? So no, and I think uh, I think Tony Parker is going to fall into kind of an Isaiah Thomas okay. um, situation where okay. Is he one of the greatest point? Yeah, is he one of the greatest point guards of all time? He won because Isaiah won two rings and won him convincingly in two in in two finals appearances. And Tony, you know, there were no doubters, right? You can't you can't say that he wasn't worthy of an NBA championship, and you, you also can't say that he wasn't a major contributing factor. But Tony Parker has he ever been the best point guard in the NBA in any particular mm, season? Right? Yeah. That, so that's so, t- so so so, yeah. so that, that's not important to me, but I know it's important to other people. So yeah. I'm speaking I'm speaking on behalf of them. So to me, yeah. he's yeah. I mean, if you, I, he, I I could see him, someone saying he's top five point guards all time. Yeah. Sure, why not? Yeah. 
Okay. Well, so my take on it is like, uh, well, first, to your point about Mano, the thing, interesting thing though, about what you say, you 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 can come off the bench, you can still really be accomplished. Like, but I do think that Manu's individual career, potentially in terms of his individual accomplishments, maybe it takes a bit of a hit just because he was selfless that way and mm -hmm. he's on a team. Now you can argue, and I might do that, which is there's a lot of teams that when you finally are in a championship situation, you can just roll it back every single year for 20 years and you can kind of sense that you got a good thing. Really hang on to that. It's hard to replicate something like that. You go to another team and it just won't be there. Like Tony Parker probably realized that his first year after Char um, San Antonio when he was in Charlotte. Like once you have this magic, it's kind of you got to hold yeah. on to it, and yeah. that helps you succeed. But at the at the same time, might Manu have had whether it's a first team or a second team? Like um, we'll never know. But it just you do wonder if being in that role in the Spurs, does it mm -hmm. mean you take a hit individually? But does that also matter because he's got uh, four, oh, four, five rings, four rings, yeah, four. So, yeah. I mean, how many guys have four rings? And maybe that's what all that matters. And I think when you're yeah, a player yeah. in basketball, that generally is what you're going to feel calm about because that's the pinnacle of what you can do. Like Steve Nash, all these guys. Oh, Steve Nash has moved on with his life. Like he's probably the type of guy that doesn't care. But there are some guys who will think about this, like. You know, mm -hmm. like like Charles Barkley would probably think about how he has lost that chance, right? Yeah. Um, so um, when this other thing about the Spurs, their legacy, and it does get talked about, and for people who do follow basketball, they know, like I call them the McKinsey and Company of the NBA. Are you familiar with that company? <sighs> McKinsey, and I'm thinking like, I'm either thinking, thinking of maybe the, the investments in Canada. I'm either when you say McKenzie, and I'm either thinking of like a whiskey or like um, okay, like the Bradley effect when it comes to voting. Okay. I'm, I'm thinking something. Okay. Either I'm either thinking something completely philosophical okay. or something that just gets you trashed on a Friday night. So go okay. on. Well, uh, McKenzie Company is a management consulting firm. You ever seen the TV show House of Lies? Mm, House of Lies with Don Cheadle. Oh Cheadle. no, I think that was on my to-do list. Yeah, he's a good actor. Okay, well. They're, they're management consultants, so mm -hmm. um, they just they are hired. They go br get brought into whatever company. Hey, we have this problem. We don't know how to whether we don't know how to sell this product or we don't know how to optimize our operating costs. Whatever the problem might be, these guys. Wait are a minute, isn't that isn't that Mitt Romney, Bain Capital? Yeah, yeah, he will. So he was from he was a consultant with the Boston Consulting Group, and then later he did found Bain Capital, which is a private equity firm. But yeah, he comes from a management consulting background, and so it is. Actually, you know who was from McKinsey was uh, uh, Mayor Pete Pete Buttigieg. He's a McKinsey consultant. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, so some of his work actually, I think, became a bit of a topic during his campaign. But anyway, yeah. The reason I call the Spurs the McKinsey and Company of the NBA is because McKinsey famously has groomed so many consultants to basically become CEOs and leaders and whatever kind of prominent person in different fields of whatever endeavor they're in. So if you look at a lot of the Fortune 500 companies, you'll see former consultants sort of at really important levels of those companies. And so it's just seen as a bit of a training ground where they find good talent, they, they develop them, they develop good skills and experience. So other companies look at them and go, okay, well, if you work there, then you've probably learned something or two. You can come help our company. So um, if you look at the players, I'll start with the players and then we'll get to the coaches and then we'll, and then we'll bring up, I know you want to make a point about pop, but we'll get there. So with the players, like just 
a sprinkling of guys, you know, that they have brought in through their system. Danny Green, under, uh, sorry, Danny Green was drafted by the Cavs, but he never really got played time with LeBron when he was like drafted, I think 60th. I'm not exactly sure about that. So he finds his footing in, in the Spurs organization where they send him back and forth between the G League. There's Corey Joseph, where, mm -hmm. yes, he was drafted by the Spurs. He was kind of sent back and forth to the G League. 29th, Bruce Bowen, undrafted. Nan Nando DiColo. Okay, some of these guys I'm mentioning, maybe they haven't quite... You're, I'm not putting them on the same level as Manu or Tony, but the point is, is some of these guys were on successful teams and they're having a success, either having or had a successful run in a league where... You know, most guys don't get that kind of success. They're sort of in, maybe they sit on the bench and then they're out. And to just find these guys bottom of the draft or undrafted and figure out how you can even use them in meaningful minutes in any NBA game, I think that speaks to a well-run organization. So Nando DiColo, 53rd, Derek White, 29th, Bryn Forbes, undrafted, Patty Mills, 55th, and then famously Manu Ginobili, 57th, and Tony Parker, 28th. Like, they just have a really good infrastructure to bring all these players in, really train them, and then... then they, they make use of them the best they can, and some of them have gone on to have good careers in other parts of the league, like Corey Joseph and Danny Green. Now, coaches and staff, this is really something else, right? So I'm reading off a list of names where they have gone on to become head coaches throughout the NBA. Now, they were in the Spurs organization, either like in some capacity, whether it's a, a mostly assistant coach, but in some cases like a scout or part of their G League affiliate, the Toros or the Austin Spurs. So here's all the guys who have somehow been in the Spurs orbit. Mike D'Antoni, Alvin Gentry, Joe Printy, who's the who I think is with uh, Phoenix as an assistant. Brett Brown, Earl uh, Earl Watson, who was head coach of the Phoenix recently. Jim Boylan, who just I think might have got fired by Chicago. James Borrego, head coach of Charlotte. Mike Brown, who famously was the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers and LA Lakers. Mike Goldenhoser, who was the head coach of the first place Milwaukee Bucks. Taylor Jenkins, who's the head coach of Memphis Grizzlies. Quinn Snyder in the Utah Jazz. They all have floated through San Antonio as assistants. Then there's Chip England, who famously taught quiet how to refine his shot. Becky Hammond, who was the first woman coach to sit, like first woman to take a prominent coaching role in the NBA. And I think there were women in front office positions. Uh, there might've been throughout the NBA, but I think now that's like throughout the league, I can't even, I couldn't even really count or keep track of who's where, just because there are so many women in the NBA front offices and coaching staffs that Becky Hammond, pop uh, the spurs were they sort of opened up that floodgate and it was just i remember it was a news story at that time and then steve kerr like he did not play he did not coach with or work in the office but he was a player with the team and he has cited pop and the spurs influence as quite quite uh instructive in how he has sort of run his executive and coaching career both with the phoenix suns and the warriors so to me, that, that really speaks volumes about just what this organization has meant to the NBA. So yes, maybe they won't get too many commemorative uh, highlight reels because they maybe weren't exciting, but they are so just fundamental to the prosperity of the league as we know it today. So what were you gonna, you have anything to, like any comments, any thoughts on that? And, and I know you wanna say something about Pop as a coach as well. No, I can, well, I can speak to Pop and just the organization because I'm just. I kind of just made a quick list myself of just okay. guys that were good and okay. and played well there, and they weren't scrubs at all. Yeah. And I noticed that I totally forgot that Sean Elliott was traded for okay. Rodman, but I guess he came back for the '99 Spurs. So, you know, Sean okay. Elliott, Avery Johnson. You mentioned Bruce Bowen, uh, Steve Smith. I didn't even know was part of the '03 uh, championship okay. team. Uh, Robert Ory again, like talk about journeyman 
um, yeah. guy who just always seems to find championship teams, right? It's yeah. kind of the perfect storm where he's um, never um, – the Spurs clearly saw what other teams saw in him saying, Hey, this guy can help us win championships. He's won it with different teams. And, and so he was a welcome addition. Um, Brent Barry, I forgot that the red rocket, Matt Bonner was on, um, was on the Spurs. And um, again, the really impressive 2013, 2014 uh, additions um, like Boris Dia was a great player. Tiago splitter as well um, really helped, um, you know, because I think the year before or in subsequent years, you know, kind of when Tim Duncan would have to get his rest or he was in foul trouble, there was never um, kind of the the infrastructure to, you know, who's the next guy that can help Tim when he's not playing or needs a game to rest in. Clearly, this organization yeah. is built very similarly to the New England Patriots who also mm. just never have – like they never – like. Uh, Besides Tom Brady, who is very much considered uh, a system quarterback, they never have, you know, they never have the marquee guys that a lot of these other um, teams do, right? Like, so in NFL, it's very prestigious to be part of the 99 club, which is means you have a 99 overall rating uh, from the John Madden okay. football game. And, okay. you know, Patriots just never have that guy, but you know, they, they just, they manage well, they coach well, and assistant coaches always get jobs after these players play a couple of years for New England. And, you know, they'll, they'll also play well in other teams because they've, they've had years of, of experience. And, and you mentioned Corey Joseph, how many times do we hear? Well, maybe not you, but um, we, uh, Matt Devlin and Jack Armstrong couldn't help themselves every time Corey <laughs> Joseph did something resembling anything of organized basketball. So, oh, <laughs> look at those years of being under Coach Pop, right? So, <laughs> um, like Corey Joseph and Toronto yeah. just couldn't swing a dead cat without hearing a great Popovich reference. So, again, it's it's impressive dynasty to me, and it's even more impressive when you kind of read into them and have to do a little bit of research. So they might not pop off the page. Like, like there, there's not going to be a last dance about Tim Duncan yeah. and and the San Antonio Spurs. We know this. Um, but if falling short of that standard, there's it's 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 also okay because what we saw was great teams, great management. Like you said, they scouted well yeah. and you know we have the fruits of their labor. Yeah, and so um, underpinning so much of the, the NBA, I think I also omitted Sam Presti, who is definitely really important that I should have put in there general manager, he cut his teeth in the Spurs organization. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of see how different well-run teams have been modeling themselves after this organization. Yeah. And uh, Pop, um, very interesting guy. Uh, I could have, like, I'll talk, like, him, maybe talking to, okay, him, R.C. Buford, who he had hired, but R.C. Buford has since been elevated to be the general manager. And so him and Pop sort of work in tandem. And then there's Peter Holt, who's the owner we talked about in the very beginning. It's really interesting, like Peter Holt and R.C. Buford, how we don't really hear all that much about them. We know their names. Peter Holt, we barely know the name. Like, I think a lot of people don't actually know who he is or don't. They only see him whenever there's a trophy presentation, and that's about it. Um, they just, they let Pop run. Like, they just, there's obviously a lot of trust between the three of them to run an organization where you don't have to have so much meddling. 
And the fact that you don't hear about them means that they run a tight ship where a lot of stuff doesn't really get out in general. Mm -hmm. um, so that's quite, it's just, it's, 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 it's the model of this is how you run a company. This is how you try to yeah. succeed. I think um, it, we talked about that coaching tree. It'll be interesting. I think the Raptors are actually, well, well let's see when in about six years time, if the Raptors keep this going, let's see what it looks like because don't, don't do you it, already Jason. see, what are, are we are we are we putting Nick Nurse in the same conversation? No, no, I'm Coach talking Bob? about Nick Nurse. Oh, okay. I'm talking. I'm, I'm okay. not talking about Nick Nurse. I'm talking about the organization. Okay, fair, fair. If you fair. look at what's his name, Jerry Stackhouse, I think went off to take the head coaching position. I think in um, one of these universities. I think might have been Memphis. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. um, there was the guy from I think is the general manager of Chicago. He might have come from the Toronto organization. I just there's just a lot of guys who are under the Maasai operation where they're being they you just hear periodically they're being touted for mm -hmm. um other positions and even Masai himself was like yeah, they're being recruited potentially to the new york or whatever but and washington. that's when that sorry it's washington yeah what uh oh was it new york too yeah but anyway all these guys in that organization are they're just being coveted so um we'll see like you just i just read off like a really long list of people who have gone on to become something in the NBA. And that is quite a testament to pop. Whereas you remember Phil Jackson, who's arguably the greatest coach of all time. Like I can't think of that many people that came out of the Lakers org who are, who are, who hold these prominent positions. So really there was not that many people I can think of. I mean, Brian Shaw was someone yeah. that they're like, Oh, when's this guy going to get a team? When's this guy going to get a team? And then he had a chance in Denver. I don't remember if he had a chance in Indiana, but like it didn't really turn into anything. He's mm -hmm. back to being an assistant coach, which there's no shame in it, but it just it just speaks to hey, how how many players, how many coaches are coming out of this organization versus others. And so they're they're um, they're kind of they're kind of uh, they kind of had different mission statements, right? I mean, yes, they're supposed to win championships, but Phil yeah. um Phil Jackson is going to go down to as the guy that okay give me is, give me stars who normally yeah. wouldn't jive as well as they should have and yeah. I'll I'll be the missing link whereas yeah. Greg Pop is like no 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 I want it's like you said give me give me thoroughbreds give me I don't want disturbers I don't want I want I want my team running a certain way on day 1 so even before I get there right and that's what he needs to work with so they're well, really no no to correct it a bit i know what you're getting at though is he's a general versus a spiritual leader pop is like he well, doesn't the players it. are not all running from day one he the point about the spurs the success is that they develop the players they take these guys who are like undrafted who who in Kawhi's case doesn't know how to really shoot and they learn how to train them how to shoot this is how you condition yourself this is how you're gonna we're gonna arrest you like they develop all these championship habits in the system in the culture and that's how I'm these just, guys won i'm just saying i you know i mean um, you know, revisionist history is is not 2020, but yeah, could you see a Greg Pop handling Kobe and Shaq drama in the locker room? Um, probably yeah, not. You're right. I, I, I don't, I don't I mean, think. I don't think it's it's not that he it's not that he couldn't coach them. I just don't think he would have yeah, stood for but, it. Yeah, like right? we're not really talking about the championship teams and them as coaches. We're just as the organization, like. Yeah. Who, like this Spurs organization groomed all these other men who were going to be leaders in these other teams, these other head coaches. These right. other they, they, had, they had the foundation. And what I'm trying to say is that I think Greg Pop, at, there, there was a certain standard. Okay, Kawhi Leonard could not shoot. But as we've seen him turn out, 
um, the guy is is buttoned up as it comes as it comes. No, but well, the point is, is they when you say they had a foundation, they developed into becoming what they became because it's so com- it's so hard and so competitive. Like you could easily be in the, that was the whole point of the wrong time, wrong team pod. It's like you could basically be, get into the wrong situation and then you just never develop and then you don't get a chance to succeed. Like Corey Joseph, if he gets drafted by some other team instead of the Spurs, he's probably out the league in one year. Like like what's his name? Uh, um. Tyler Innes, he's Canadian. Yeah, um, and and the like, other guy um, uh, who drew, got drafted to the Cavs as well. Yeah, like young. Anthony Bennett. Yeah, Anthony like, Bennett. There you go. Now he might have that specific guy might have always flamed out anyway. Who knows? But they just uh, the whole point is we see these guys as great, but the Spurs organization they take the certain basic level of talent, they work with them, they become they become really good. And if it weren't the case, we would see them all pretty much fail in their next positions. Whereas most That's of these true. guys have generally done very well, like for what they were supposed to be doing. I mean, I know Brett Brown would have a losing record, but he was getting these guys ready for what they were going to become now. So, um, I mean, there's some misses, obviously like, like Mike Brown, um, Peter Holt, you know, that he's, uh, him and pop, it's just an interesting relationship they would have. Right. Cause pop is very outspoken on issues and very political. Peter Holtz is pretty much on the opposite end of the spectrum. Whereas those two guys obviously have a really good working relationship with the fact that they can work together for so long. And maybe to maybe Peter just is not a meddlesome guy. Maybe he just leaves it. Hey pop, you run the team. Like, and they have enough respect for one another. Like, okay, well, like I have my opinion and you have your opinion. That doesn't mean I think you're evil and we're just going to work together because we both care about this team and we both care about all the players. And from what I understand, like generally like he's a good owner um, Mm -hmm. of the, of the team. So uh, it's a bit of a throwback. Like when, when can you really hear about, people just getting along even though they have different views um the uh, i think one thing interesting when we watch some old clips of them celebrating their championships is steve kerr once commented how in one of those title runs where pop would hold the 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 coaches back you know on the stage when there's like the players all standing there receiving the trophy right on the court but like pop would like kerr was like pop was on the side holding the coach back saying here's the player's time like the players oh. won the championship it's their time to celebrate mm-hmm. and then I, I was looking back at like different times like peter holtz is you know he's giving his hey yeah we did a good job and it was a very kind of brief speech congratulatory and just saying i love his wife whatever and, you know, like fears they got divorced but so then he you see this moment where he sort of steps to the side of the stage and I, he was trying to I, I the sequence was i think he was expecting someone else to be like i think it was tony to take the mic and speak a bit mm. because Stuart Scott was like, like reaching for Peter Holt to be like, Oh, where are you going? We're not done. And, but right. Peter Holt, you could just say one second, like he stepped aside. It was just sort of ingrained to the idea that let's, we should, we pay some homage. And like, I, and I started looking at some other trophy presentations and there was Joe Lacob. Okay. It was hit a bit hit and miss with the warriors. I mean, I get maybe they're super excited in their first year because it, they hadn't won in like 40 years or whatever. And it's his first ever. And he's a new owner. But there was there got to be a point where in one of those championships where he didn't even hoist it up, he kind of held it and he sort of like handed it off to uh, I don't know if it was KD or somebody. And it was just there's those moments that you just sort of catch because one of the things that I just really don't like about that presentation, every almost every championship, it's you see how hard fought the seven game series was, how hard fought all those 16 wins were over a two month period in the playoffs, and then the culmination is they bring some old wrinkly crusty white man onto the stage and they hand him the trophy and he hoists it up like he won something well look at toronto look at well that's the point i'm gonna get i hated larry tannenbaum 
like uh, whoever. I thought it was Larry Tannenbaum. Oh, why did I say Richard? Uh, what, what, what did I say? Um, um, yeah, it was Tannenbaum, wasn't it? Yeah. So that 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 guy is standing there like he won something. Yeah, I'm like, seriously, get him off the stage. I thought I just think it's the most classless thing you can do when you're just dressed in your suit and you walk up on the stage like you just I, I just I just hate that image more than anything. Like if you if they need you to give a speech because it's the protocol of the NBA, then you give the speech. But you stand on the side while mm -hmm. like the finals MVP and the head coach or maybe the starting lineup stands behind the trophy. And then after you've done the speech, the head coach like hoists it up or maybe it's the honor they hand it off to the player. But that's just, it's just, they got to change that. And I don't know if it's because it's a board of governors meeting where they just say, well, this is the protocol. It's going to go to the owner. Because you know why? We paid like billions of dollars for this yeah, team. Yeah, pretty much. The minimum we get is we get to say that we had a role in it. Okay, fine. Like, but you know what? I just, I just think it doesn't look good. So well, the fans um, should start. The fans should start booing, like pissing them <laughs> out of the building. You're. I don't know why yeah. I said Richard Petty, like former NASCAR driver Richard Petty. Yeah, Larry Tannenbaum. When and my wife had no idea who he was because she's never okay. seen him before. And oh, she's like, who's that guy holding the trophy? Who's that derelict, like on fumes? <laughs> um, you know, had to charge his pacemaker before getting up there, and yeah, accepting an award that he had zero business like you know there <laughs> and it, it's it's it kind of speaks to um you know it, it's also like you know we've talked about dana white in the past like you know he, here is this like mandingo owner like putting on fights and <laughs> like has never gotten in one himself and he's telling people how to fight and all this and he injects himself he's into he's been a boxer though dana no he's not he's, no he's never been a boxer He's been a boxing. He's been in boxing. He's had amateur fights. He's, he was okay. never a pro fighter. Never a pro okay. fighter. Joe, Joe Rogan thinks that he basically has a whole lot of PTSD. Uh, not PTSD. Um, what's that word? Uh, CTE. He, he thinks that Dana White's just got a bunch of CTE because of how many times mm. he's gotten hit in the head. It's 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 fair, but I mean, doesn't excuse people okay. for being goons. But yeah, Dana White, Larry Tannenbaum. Just okay. all, you're right. All these all these owners. I mean, there are some really active owners i mean the rooney family in pittsburgh whenever pittsburgh wins the steelers win a super bowl and the rooney family's up there i mean that's that's this whole special relationship there okay. they're involved in the league they're involved okay, in the community how, they're involved in the community i don't know if you're aware of the rooney rule which basically says that every executive coaching role in the nfl every third oh, applicant yeah. has to be a visible minority and that's because of yeah. the rooney family in pittsburgh uh, right. so they are like there's there's few families like that i'm assuming the bus family is, is respected in in la mm. um but yeah mm. i mean talk about tannenbaum come but yeah back to pop <laughs> it does speak to his yeah. his, his selfness and selflessness yeah. and he does put um yeah he probably and you know you say that he's outspoken which he is and yeah. i personally would like to hear more of him but yeah. do you see pop as the guy that just sees like Craig Sager when he was alive is, hey, buddy, put the mic on me. I got something to say. No, it's when people ask him a direct question, he's going to comment. And that's yeah. kind of the way I I feel like that's his relationship with the media. Yeah. He's yeah. he's not like a Drake or other people. Like, <laughs> Guys, camera over here, right? Make up in three type of thing. No, Pop, I think is we, we see Pop as outspoken because his sound bites are hilarious at times. They're memorable because they're short and sweet and he comes off the standoffish. We don't know if he's working the guys or not. <laughs> um, but you know, I don't I don't think oh, I, that Pop goes into depth of how I'm gonna play the media if I win tonight. No. Or if I, yeah. I, I was referring to 
just in his interviews, he's he's spoken on world issues, global issues. Um, but he, because he's, he's, at, he's 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 asked about him, he's he's yeah, they, uh, they, they they set him up is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I mean, he answered the question, but you can also like a lot of people might just say, well, no comment, or I don't know enough That's about true. that issue. That's true. Like That's it's true. because they know he knows he's well he's well read. He's going to have a view, whether you agree or disagree. I mean, Peter Holt, his owner, or I'm sorry, his owner, his employer, the guy who owns the team. Probably would disagree with him on a lot of issues. Um, Question: Did which did, is also, Pop, did did Pop ever weigh in on Hong Kong? No, I was kind of disappointed on that. So, oh, really? Like, okay. Um, like Steve Kerr, he as disappointed with that. I mean, when forty five can get the can get take the moral high ground on, in a soundbite on you, like that, that just kind of yeah, says something. that's true. So, okay. like, what happened was, um, uh, they asked Steve Kerr. And he just sort of dodged it. You can just say no comment, no comment. But no, then Steve Kerr had to try to try to draw moral equivalency to to gun control laws or like oh, firearms God, regulation really? to to that. And it's like, oh, okay. Oh. Like I know that's a very important issue for Steve Kerr, a very personal issue if you know the history of his father. But yeah. um, that's just that's it's terrible. not the forum, and it's just it's just not the same thing. You can't go into this wow. this other country where you know it's just not the same as America, and and just sort of be so dismissive of the issue, and then. Pop, um, he he didn't he wasn't shaken. Um, so I mean, I commend him. He just sort of gave a very nondescript answer. I mean, okay, I I, can't, I don't know if I could say I was disappointed. I mean, I guess if they wouldn't say if, if I felt disappointed, it's because I hold him to this high high bar. Like I yes. know he speaks out on issues, and I know he yes. knows right and wrong. And so you would have thought he would, but he didn't. And okay, I mean, there's a lot of money at stake for the NBA. And I'm sure all the owners probably reinforced their teams. Hey, guys, let's just get through this month without any more catastrophes. Because, you know, like, you know, that, that kitchen you're renovating and that house you might buy for your, your parents or whatever, like, that all, this is all part of the deal, right? So, so I'm not going to fault him for that. But so, yeah, he didn't. He didn't speak out on that issue. Hey, uh, um, question then, is: yeah. is is Stephanie McMahon the worst executive ever to comment <laughs> on a global event? And do you know what I'm referring to? Uh, you tell me. What did she say? I don't remember. This is it totally was the, not, I, I don't it, know it was this. It was the SmackDown after 9/11. Oh, and she yeah. goes, "I know what it's like to have someone invade because my <laughs> father has had. My father's been dealing with." Yeah, the government. Yeah, the government and people trying to infiltrate him his entire life. I know what it's like. Like it was like, yeah, that was that was Stephanie McMahon. Basically, that's one of those things where live TV and you just if you don't know your talking points before you get out there, you just I think you can't have a. I think the worst the worst part was these were pre tapes. <laughs> oh yeah, it was it was live to air. I mean, I, I know you sure that SmackDown all positive. No, no. So what? What? Um, what they did was a live SmackDown, but the yeah. interviews were all pre-tapes. I mean, these were produced WWF. Um, no, bits. but she was in the ring. She was in the ring when she gave that, right? No, she was. It was all backstage. It was all backstage okay. interviews. Yeah, I'll, I'll look it so. up later. I thought that was straight. Okay, no, and I actually no. thought it was just a straight live event because, I mean, um, yeah, the importance. Okay. We'll come back to it. The kind of to, to kind of towards the end now. Where do we go from here with the Spurs? Because we've seen them sort of taking a back seat in recent years. That just from the basically Kawhi was his turning point. He was supposed to be the future of the of the league, and the Spurs fans are like, "Oh my God!" Like we have David Robinson going to Tim Duncan, and we've got Kawhi Leonard. Like they, we are like the Roman Empire. And yeah. I wish I was like a history major because I was trying to look through 
different history points. Um, just if there was a historical figure where it was like this one turning point or this one soldier who just sort of left the empire or just didn't want the riches and whatever, where it just led to the downfall. I can't find it. I just, that computer engineering degree is just not really doing me any favors right now. Um, <laughs> but like Kauai, I mean, that was a bit of a drama. We don't need to relitigate that because that, that just, I mean, in short, for people who are not familiar, um, Kauai, he got injured in the playoff series against the Golden State Warriors in the 20, I believe it was the 2015 year. And um, what happened was uh, he landed on Zaza Pachulia's ankle or his foot and then he rolled his ankle and he was just gone for the rest of the series. It was too bad because the, the Spurs were actually, I think they might've been up like 20 points at one point in that game, which is kind of mm-hmm. remarkable. Um, and uh, then he never played another Spurs game. For the whole rest of the year, he said he was injured and there was a lot of controversy around like the, the team doctors and the Spurs who they were thinking, well, you're okay to play. And he was just, I know my body's not. And he got his own specialist. So there was a rift and, and there was just how this was being handled in the media. It just it sort of led to a division and uh, between Kawhi and the team, which obviously led to his trade to Toronto. Um, like the Spurs, I guess the only way is to just say is, I guess they're just coming back down to earth. I mean, we thought that Chris Pop was going to hand it over to somebody else to keep them, to keep them the, the whole like army going, but I don't, I guess the Spurs are just going to become another also ran team. That's just kind of it then, I guess. Everything kind of comes to an end at some point, right? Yeah, except the points that you made earlier about San Antonio kind of being this um, bum big city, like especially in Texas, right? Because yeah. I, I'm even going to add Arlington. I think even Arlington's uh, and maybe Austin are better cities in terms of curb appeal and, and whatnot. Like, so San Antonio. Yeah. I guess part of its charm is it's got that low key factor going for it. So, and look at the guys that it gets, right. It kind of gets these blue collar guys. I mean, again, we've talked about how Tony Parker was like the most scandalous figure to come through San Antonio, right. With a list Hollywood wife. And, you know, he, well, he, yeah. he was, they drafted, he, these guys. they drafted them. Right. But he stayed as well. Right. It's not like he left to yeah. go to LA in the primary yeah, yeah, career. Yeah. He didn't just, you know, or demand a trade. No, he, yeah. He saw that he had a good chance of winning. So I think San Antonio's got a lot going for it. And yeah. um better so and to put this in con, put this contextually, let's just say in 2022, both Raptors and San Antonio are both last place teams, right? Okay. So I don't I don't care who's who, right? Just, just say, yeah. and they both have to rebuild. I think it takes San Antonio Spurs like a fraction of the time to get it done okay. compared to Toronto because I, I don't com- – Toronto is at such a disadvantage. Yeah, it's a bigger TV market. Yeah, it's a bigger city globally. But NBA, man, again, for me, you, it's all about that American-born player. It's all about different things that it has going for it that Toronto will just – it's it's just never – it's just always going to be at a handicap. So I actually don't – so if the Spurs do tank – in the next couple of years and if you know coach pop leaves the organization or gives the reins to someone else um i i, I think there's again they've, they've done so much in such a short amount of time it's not it can't be that that infrastructure is just going to collapse just because coach pop the last in mohican no. just all of a sudden leaves right but what i'm getting at though is if you if you saw that that whole list i read which isn't even the complete list what mm-hmm. you've gradually seen with the first is this gradual brain drain of when uh, you see. take a really good, let's say it's uh, Twitter, 
maybe that company, right? Uh, and I have okay. no ties to it, so it's okay. Back in 2010 or 11, you would have just, it's like web 2.0. You put it up on the level of Facebook, of Google. And so like the best talent was there in those companies. And now mm -hmm. the way it works in the Valley is like, Twitter is this company that you guys, everybody will know because, you know, 45 is always tweeting on it. People are using this thing to communicate. Players are, right. athletes are. But in terms of as a company to work at and to grow your career, it sort of lost its luster because it never really figured out how to monetize its product the way the other different platforms had. And so what happened over time, I think, is is talent started to be like, okay, I'm gonna go shift over to Facebook. I'm gonna shift over to Google or Netflix. Like I see something else is going on the rise, right? So like wasn't, that kind of happens. Apple, was, wasn't Apple a joke for so many years? Yeah, so that's the thing, right? So what happens is, I mean, that's a bit of a unique situation. Um, that's like, it's hard to compare what I'm, the, well, the, the, the point, point I'm the, trying the to point make. Is, the point is Apple won champion. I, Apple won like NBA championships and then they were mismanaged. Right. And right. then they were a bit of a joke, but yet it's a new incarnation though. Think about Apple as before and then later, how it's like a, it's like a, a rebirth when, when Steve jobs goes back to the company and then I guess just redoes everything. I guess um, we have to see. So the this, rebirth this, year, of the Spurs. this, this year, COVID aside, yeah. I mean, aren't Spurs yeah. like 14th in the West or something like that or, they, they have a shot. They're they're going to be in the bubble, so they they have a shot at making the playoffs, right. which is incredible. Yeah. So that's the thing, right? We haven't really seen them tank. We really haven't seen them, yeah. and um, you know. But so yeah, I guess I we think, have to see them tank and then see how they go from there. Yeah, I think um, that makes sense. I think like, however, it, well, it'll be interesting to see what how the transition is from Pop to the next coach and to the next to the next management teams who run that league. But it's just, when you see, it just, you just notice like the trades or the picks or the, or the right. team just, it doesn't feel like it's on that same level. And I know it's, it's, you don't have Tim Duncan there anymore, but it, they just feel like a step behind. And I think it has to do with the brain drain. It's a bit like when everybody left Yahoo, for example. Um, okay. So, so we'll see now uh, Kawhi though, like he, It'd be interesting to see when he's done his career, like how much you associate him with the Spurs. And I feel like there will always be a part of it because that story about how he left the team was just mm -hmm. so over the top. Like you just couldn't believe this was coming out of San Antonio. And it shocked everybody because nobody expected Kawhi Leonard to be that way. And the fact that his trade out of the team led to him winning a championship in a city that had never done it, who just got swept badly the year before. So is such a weird turnaround for his career and the turnabout from the Spurs to this Fulledge and the Raptors. So I think that, um, I just, I think that his ceiling is like a Kobe, his floor is like a Allen Iverson or like a Dirk. And what I mean by that is, um, and I'm kind of, I just grouped them into it at the end because I think it's kind of poetic that the very end of the Spurs pod, we're sort of just addressing the last spur that we're gonna think of as the great Spurs. Like, cause you know, then he left. Um, cause he will, he'll become like this super awesome player who will truly respect his, his grit, his, his skills, his toughness. But, um, I don't know if he'll, he can really ever achieve like LeBron level type levels. Right. So, or not, not, not even LeBron cause he's super up there, but like magic bird. Like, I think he's kind of that next tier at his apex. And if he, um, like the worst case is he just becomes a legend, like a shooting star, but he 
like from this year onward, maybe he never reaches the same kind of greatness and same kind of notoriety he had in the last year in San Antonio and his last year in Toronto. I, I guess, he, well, he just becomes a guy who's won two championships, right? I mean, if he never wins <laughs> another one again, it's, he can hang it's his head great. on that. Yeah. And yeah. people are going to, that's an interesting question. I, I do not think which which Kawhi Leonard team which Kawhi Leonard championship team <laughs> wins head to head. I'm not picking the Raptors on that one. Um, Against but, the 2014 Spurs. Yeah. Mm. Just just on paper on paper. I mean, uh, unless unless oh, listen, if if Pascal because because as we saw with that uh, with that Spurs team, Kawhi Leonard became a really big deal after his first ring. And who knows if Pascal just just blows up, right? He, he's, if he's if in a year from now we're talking him, okay, start getting his uh, I, start getting his Hall of Fame jacket ready. Okay, I think I might pick that Raptors team against that yeah. Spurs team. I mean, it wouldn't be easy, but just you had like six, seven guys in the Raptors who can all dribble, shoot, pass on their own, who can all get yeah get their own shot. They're just super long, super athletic. They can basically guard every single one of those players. The only challenger would have been Tim Duncan for like Marcus All. I, I think Marcus All could. I don't know. He could stifle Tim enough at that age. That's the thing, right? You're looking at guys who can stifle. Like I do not like. Again, I just made the we we made a case for Kyle Lowry in the Hall of Fame, and Kyle Lowry was always always the guy who was game, even though he was up against a better point guard. I Tony Parker is a better point guard historically and will go down as a better point guard but you're right head to head uh, that's an incredible battle so is um boris dia and i don't know like serge Ibaka. like you, there's all these interesting little matchups that could happen between those two but um back to your point about Kawhi, um it'd be really interesting to see if he's able to win a couple more champ, say if he does win two or three more championships and they're with the same team, right? They're with the Clippers. So by NBA math, he's, he's won championships more with one team than he did with the Raptors and, um, and, uh, and the Spurs. What you made the case that Kawhi Leonard would not have been Kawhi Leonard without those years in San Antonio, right? You literally had one guy, teach him how to shoot. Um, I don't know. It's Kawhi Leonard is going to be in, he still has an interesting case, right? I mean, what's, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens as uh, in, in these, in these next few years with Kawhi Leonard and, um, and um, the Clippers. Yeah. That'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, I think this with Kawhi and him taking off elsewhere, I think that's kind of, it's a bit of a poetic way for the end of its Spurs. Like it just live. I don't know. I don't know if the Harvey Dent quote applies here, but it's just kind of like you know something has to end at some point. Like you had a twenty-plus year run, this awesome team, and I don't think it's really going to be duplicate. They're going to be teams that are be good for twenty years, but to have this kind of sustained excellence and its in its character, its aura, like the way it's it's run, you you won't really see that again. Um, this Spurs team, I think, yeah, they'll, they'll be forever intertwined with uh, LeBron um, in his career. And um, I think, yeah, it, it was just certainly very enjoyable to watch certainly that last run of the Spurs. Um, I, I grew to like them. So yes, they're a bit too. like John Cena. They're a bit like John Cena for me, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Now, so, do, right. 
do the Warriors with Clay Green and yeah. um, and Curry? Um, because now there it's it's probably going to be a couple of years since well, they win a championship. What what were what will we think of them? No, if okay. if they win a championship, you know, three years apart from, from rings. Not to cut you off. Mm-hmm. I do. Let's let's talk about that when uh, we get to the Warriors dynasty. Okay. Yeah. So, man, I think that's good. I think this was good. I, I was a good look at the San Antonio Spurs and just a, just a great, great, it's just good to appreciate just what a remarkable run that that team had. So, yeah. If, uh, okay. So, I hope you all enjoyed that. If you got any questions or any feedback on the Spurs and you want to run it by us, please reach out to us at bayheightspod at gmail.com. You can get us up, get at us on Twitter and Instagram at bayheightspod. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Stick to your vision. Keep the composition. Seen a lot of shame in the game. Seen a lot of pain with the fame.